Hey, this is the Brains Podcast. I'm Julian Shapiro. And I'm your co-host, Cortland Allen. Today, we're here with Sean Purry and Jason Calacanis. Sean is the host of the second fastest growing podcast in tech, My First Million. And Jason is actually the host of the fastest growing podcast in tech, All In. Both of them are investors and startup founders in Silicon Valley. They've each invested well over $20 million in startups. And they both have large newsletters, over 150,000 followers each on Twitter. And they're using their huge podcasts to expand their audiences. We brought Sean and Jason on because their podcasts are so good, in fact, that we studied them before making our show. What makes them good? Great guests, authentic rapport, and amazing stories. Cortland, are you open about what you think your Stripe shares are worth? No, I don't. I don't share. But uh, once Stripe's public, I will. Um, you're not going to be an indie hacker anymore, baby. <laughs> no, not anymore. <laughs> indie hacker no more. <laughs> Diamond hands hacker. <laughs> well, all of you guys are doing pretty well for yourselves, too. Sean, you're allegedly moving the price of Bitcoin with your tweets. You had a pretty big exit to Twitch. Modest. Okay, mo- modest. a modest exit to Twitch. Uh, Jason, yeah. what can I say? You're one of the world's leading angel investors, which is to say you're a pretty wealthy guy. Why are you spending all this time sitting behind a mic podcasting? I just seen it at the inception point. I started doing it. It was for fun. And I always look at every single medium as, you know, it's going to get to um, scale. And then I throw my entire effort into it as if it's, you know, going to succeed, which means I look like an idiot when friend feed or Google plus goes away and I spent all this time playing with it. Uh, but then I look like a genius when podcasting actually hits and I've been doing it for 11 years. So, but what do you get out of it? I mean, is this actually helping you in any material way in your life? Um, for me, it's the conversation, you know, like, you know, Cortland, I just love to talk. It's my superpower and talking to people makes me inspired. You know, I'm not an introverts. The best definition I heard about introverts and extroverts is extroverts have a conversation and it fills their battery. And introverts have a conversation that drains their battery. For me, when I get off of my podcast, I just it just makes me inspired. Really, for me, yeah. that's what it's about, Cortland. Just inspiring to have conversations with folks. Sean, what about you? Uh, yes, yeah, similar. Um, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've been listening to Jason's pod for, I don't know how many years, five years, six years at least. And listen to Simmons, listen to a bunch of these guys. And I just always thought I'm I can shoot the shit with the best of them. So I just thought, well, um, I got I got ideas, I got things to say, and the the beauty of these things is this permissionless. I didn't have to convince somebody that I'm interesting. I could just go put myself out there, and then the market will decide if I'm shit. I'm shit. If I'm great, it'll grow. And we're lucky enough that it grew. And this is a great excuse to just hang out with cool people. I have all these people in my network that I'm one hop away from, but I, you know, it'd be kind of weird to just cold call them or just invite them to coffee for no reason when I don't really have that type of relationship. Inviting them on my podcast was sort of like doing them a favor. And uh, the cool thing about podcasts is nobody asks how many listeners you have. They'll just say yes, because it's sort of like, oh, I get to be on a stage and say my thing. Oh, fantastic. I'll, I do that. I'd make time for that. And uh, they didn't care if there was, you know, five listeners or 5,000 listeners or 50,000 listeners. So I just viewed it as a little hack to uh, spend time with all the interesting people I had met that I had put off while I was building my company. Well, what's funny is you did do that thing where you cold call a random person and invite them to coffee because that's how you and I first met. <laughs> yeah, we kind of did. But I, that was a little different. I had a, I had my, uh, my editor in town, a 21-year-old from Australia. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like showing him around San Francisco, trying to introduce him to some cool people. And he was a you big fan two. of you. You had yeah. two. You he, he DM'd went, me and you were like, 
hey, Cortland, uh, fan of any hackers, you want to get some coffee? I'm like, yeah. And I remember I go to this coffee shop and I, I didn't know what you look like. So I was right. just kind of waiting around. I think you're like five minutes late. Yeah, blind date. And then you walked in and it was immediately obvious it was you because there's was, there was two kids, like two college kids trailing you. Right. With like notepads and pencils, like they were your lackeys and you were some sort of super villain. <laughs> yeah, to and be honest, like, hey. I didn't even want to meet you. I didn't even care. They really wanted to meet you. And I said, I know the guy or I can reach the guy. So let me. Let I was me so curious. Out. Like, what did Sean get out of this? Like, was this an interesting meeting for you at all? Because like, we literally never spoke again. And- <laughs> No, it went well. I actually had a lot of respect for you because I kind of thought I had this image in my head. You're the indie hacker guy. Oh, he's one of these like ultra bootstrapper, hates big companies who keeps shaking his fist angrily at all those guys and says, <laughs> build something real, get some profits in the doors, young man. And I thought you would be one of them. And you weren't. You were just like a totally reasonable guy. And I liked that you had stole the stripe. And I was like, dude, that's the smartest thing he could have done. So I actually walked away with a lot of respect for you. Yeah. So about six months ago, I was in a clubhouse room with Pomp. And it occurred to me, I can remember that conversation really clearly. But if you ask me, what did Pomp tweet six months ago? I have no idea. And what I realized is that listening to people talk is, is a special way to engage with someone's content. And I wanted to add that into the work I do. I wanted a deeper affinity, a deeper empathy, and a deeper recall. Yeah. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, the more you layer these things and the higher fidelity it goes, where you know in person would be the best, beyond that would be video, which has audio packed in. You know, A little bit worse than that is audio, a little bit worse than that's long form text, a little bit worse than that is short form text. Like, definitely the more layers of fidelity you go, the faster it is to build that, um, that bond, basically, or that trust between people. Yeah, and also hearing you and Sam talk to each other on a podcast, that, that's rapport. And you can't capture rapport via text. Like when Jason has a good friend on, that's really enjoyable. Well, he, he does now, right? The all-in pod is, is the reason it works is because... Yeah, nothing but friends. Yeah. The reason it works is <laughs> no that new they, friends. <laughs> they, uh, they shoot the shit, right? People like that. People, it is very contagious. When you see other people having a good time, it, you can't help but have a good time if you're in that room. It's very contagious. Have you seen that meme where it's like, the caption is, how it feels to listen to a podcast. And there's a cardboard cutout of these three women who are laughing and talking and eating ice cream. And then there's a guy on the floor eating a bowl of cereal and he's like <laughs> smiling and laughing like he's talking to them. <laughs> That's what it feels like to listen to your shows. Like you guys are clearly like really good friends on your shows. And I just want to be there in the room with you while you're talking. Yeah, that was the surprise of the pandemic for me is, um, you know, Chamath just texted me one day and was like, hey, let's do a podcast. And I was like, okay. He's like, no, no, I want to do a new podcast with just you. Um, and I was like, okay, sure. You know, <laughs> Whatever. I always help my friends start podcasts. And we became like the number 20 podcast in the world in the 15th episode, that GameStop week. Wow. And it was just a perfect storm because I'm an angel in Robin Hood. Chamath took the other side of it. It became very tense. And then the Capitol riots happened. And why do you think the podcast broke out so well? I think it was a combination of things. Uh, you know, when you make a super team, you know, and it's like LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, you know, like, in that analogy, probably, you know, where Chamath and I are Wade and LeBron because we have big followings. But then I think what people have responded to was the friendship and the camaraderie, even though a difference of opinions when everything was very vitriolic. The fact that Sachs and I joke about him being a Republican and I outed him as a Republican conservative. <laughs> and, you know, he thinks I'm a hysterical uh, lib and I'm, I'm not actually hysterical lib, but the fact that we can joke, I think, but I mean, you tell me, I mean, why did, why did it resonate with you if it did? Well, one of the things I, I think I like about you as a podcaster, Jason, is that you've got almost like a, it's like you're compelled to just go to whatever is interesting. 
And so yep. like you're talking about like being like an hysterical lib. I remember coming on your show, Twist, and like we were supposed to talk about indie hackers. And like maybe halfway through the episode, you just started like ranting about anti-capitalist social justice warriors on Twitter. Yeah. And I'm like, well, uh, we number go. one, Jason's freaking good. <laughs> because no matter like, I have no idea what I'm going to say to this question, but like whatever I say, it's going to be a good episode. Oh, and, God. And like, I know that you're just like laser focused I had on the most there. panicked moment on our podcast because I was like, you know, like... I was thanking you and I was thanking Daniel. I was like, you guys are great. Like you're both so awesome and you're articulate or whatever. And then I was like, oh no, I just called the black man articulate. <laughs> and I, I should have raised a Twitter mob right there. I mean, that could unless have been you, the cancellation Unless you invest right in my because, next company, like I'm getting the Twitter mob on your ass, Jason. Well, I was talking to another friend of mine who happens to be black and he, and he was like, you know, when you call a black man articulate, like you're basically saying like, do you expect us to be speaking ebonics and not be able to speak <laughs> clearly? Like, you know, and I didn't say like, you know, knowing... I didn't even know Cortland was black. I'll be totally honest. And so here we are talking about race or whatever. And then I say like, oh, Cortland, you're very articulate. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, please don't cancel me. I meant it sincerely. I didn't mean it. It was pretty. It was a pretty funny moment. But I like to go there. Yes, I do like to go there, um, you know, and talk about whatever the hard issues are. Because when you're talking, like here we are talking about a cancellation moment right. with no fear that it's going to result in cancellation because you can hear the tone of our voices, right? Um, you know, I think when you're on Twitter, people are like, that's a racist tweet or that's a sexist tweet or that's a this tweet or that tweet. And it's like, mm, you can't hear content. I think this is why Clubhouse is really surging right now is because it allows anybody to be a podcaster for 15 minutes. And when you hear somebody articulate their position, unless they are in fact a racist <laughs> or are in fact a sexist or are in fact an idiot, you generally like, okay, that's a reasonable position. I may not agree with it, but sure. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, it's pretty hard to get people wrong when you hear the tone. Like we're laughing here about it. So it's hard to make it into something it's not. That's right. And with audio, it's a much deeper feedback loop if you're affecting someone. Like if I hurt your feelings while talking to you, I can pick up on that in real time and I can modulate. Great point. Yeah. And this gets to what makes both of you good podcast hosts. Using empathy, you can ask are they bored right now? Am I bored right now? And like, how do we get out of this? And so you guys have this very fine radar for figuring out what is the most salacious direction <laughs> to go in right now. So if you smell blood in the water, if you smell an opportunity to ask a question about how much money they make, or what was it like being canceled, or what is, what's your opinion on some pol big political issue, you go right for it. And it might be controversial, it might be confrontational even, but at minimum, it's interesting. I agree with the first thing you said, which was we get a good boring detector. Uh, in fact, when, Cortland, when you started this with like, why'd you get into podcasting? I was like, fuck, that's a good, we're going to have boring <laughs> answers here. Jason <laughs> talked about like back when the abacus was around and <laughs> don't worry, you'll get old too. I see some grays coming in there. I know. I, know, I used I got, to be I like, them. I used yeah. to be like Cortland. I was the hot young new guy <laughs> coming up. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you're fucking 50. <laughs> I, I, I'm 52, Jason. I just look great. How old are you? <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. I'm 33. You're like 30. Come on. Hey, Jason, don't don't say a black man looks young either. That that also <laughs> yeah, will get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely think that that's a big thing, which is you got to avoid boring people, right? Like I think, who's that guy on Twitter? He has this as his like motto. Josh Wolf is his name. And he's one of his mottos is avoid boring people, which is a double meaning. Uh, 
like literally steer clear of boring people <laughs> plus avoid boring people yourself. And you, you know, it's like Jason was saying, you skip past 90% of the podcasts that are out there because you've came with a little bit of energy, uh, you know, a little bit of style with the way you speak. And then lastly, yeah. you, you know, you say something that people want to hear, or you, you go into topics that are the topics people want to care about when all in w- was blowing up. It was election time, which is like kind of the biggest news cycle you can ride. And so now you have all these uh, atypical people, people who don't usually get on TV and talk about politics. You have an hour from them about politics, which is like the, the big topic. Then coronavirus, like literally a fucking pandemic. And so you get like the second wave of huge interest. And now you have scientists and billionaires telling you about, you know, what they're doing with, with coronavirus. So I think they did a great job riding those waves. And on our side, we did one smart thing and then kind of didn't have to do anything smart after that, which was we just pivoted away from interviewing people and we just said, we're just going to shout out. We're going to basically spitball different business ideas, startup ideas that either we have or we see working in small scale that you haven't heard about yet, or they're super profitable business you haven't heard about yet. And there was just not another podcast that was doing that. And so, you know, both both were you know fly on the wall moments you wanted to be a part of. You wanted to be hanging out with a bunch of billionaires talking billionaire shit, or a few millionaires talking about million dollar ideas, and that was different than almost all the podcasts that were out there. I just want to take this moment to. Be clear that I'm not a billionaire, <laughs> but I can't talk about billionaire shit because I got a lot of billionaire friends. So yes, <laughs> centi millionaires talking about billionaire shit. <laughs> it's my favorite podcast right now. So you're doing something right. <laughs> well, thanks for saying that. But you know, I, behind the scenes, it, it has not been easy. Um, you know that. You know, Sax and I had to have a sit down um, because he felt like I was paint. You know, maybe going a little too hard. <laughs> about the, you know, being a Republican. So it just, there, and then we were gonna have Chester Budin on, um, and then he backed down and he backed out of the podcast. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, it's hard to have guests. I think you guys are at your best when it's just it's you four. Just, I think we're not gonna have guests. I think we'll just have like a bestie guestie where like, I think the Draymond guest thing worked out because he, we play cards every week or yeah. every two or three weeks. I do nothing but guest interviews on Indie Hackers. And it's kind of hit or miss because sometimes guests aren't good. And so like I trash episodes. I don't know if you do this with Twist. But like, for example, uh, I use Typeform to survey everybody in Indie Hackers. I just like want to know what everybody's thinking. And so at some point a few years back, I was like, I should get the founders of Typeform on the podcast. They got a cool product. So I reached out and I think I got David. And we went through this like just grueling like 20 email back and forth process where he's like, how big is your show? What's it about? And what kind of questions are you going to ask oh me? Oh Lord. And he kept like canceling and then like uncanceling so and like finally showed up for the show. And then he was like, uh, and what is it like half an hour? I'm like, it's an hour. He's like, yeah. well, I only got 30 minutes. Is that okay? I'm like, no, that's not okay. It's an hour show. <laughs> yeah. And like, we recorded for half an hour. Sure it was show. Like, you're, you're well within your right. To do that. Yeah, we recorded for half an hour. We gave like milk toast answers, and I'm sure he's a great guy. Maybe he's having a bad day, but like I just immediately dragged the files from like the recording studio into the trash can. How yeah. many are you deleting? And when you trash an episode, how do you explain to the guests that it's just gone? <laughs> I explain now before the show starts, uh, and so I'll usually be like, "Hey, uh, my goal is basically to make this good for the audience. It's not for you. It's not for me. Like, there's way more people listening than there are recording, and so if the show doesn't come out good, like." I'll ping you and we can re-record it. We can do it over or we can just not do it. But like, I don't want to release something that's not going to be good. So how many do you trash? And do they take you up on the re-recording? Oh, yeah. I probably trash like one out of every like 20 episodes. Wow, that's that's surprising. Yeah, not that many. Um, Harry Stebbings does that for the 20 Minute VC as he, he just says yes to everybody who wants to be on. Um, <clears throat> what I do is, 
you know, if I think something's going to be boring, uh, like we did a series called like uh, something like Superstars of SaaS or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my Lord, every one of these SaaS founders is more boring than the next. <laughs> but they went into SaaS, right? <laughs> so I should kind of expect that. Uh, anyway, I don't want to insult the guests, but a number of them were fabulously boring. Uh, and so I, what I tend to do is if somebody is really that bad, I will then tell them, make it a shorty. Mm. And a shorty means we're going to take it from, you know, the 45 minutes to 90 minutes I normally do. We're going to make it 20 minutes and I'll just bang out two ass Jasons, um, uh, or pair it with another interview and just put it on the back end and smart this way. I don't have to insult the person for, you know, doing a bad job on it, but Generally speaking, uh, I just live with it if it's not ideal and, you know, it's, it's the way it goes. Yeah. Sean, have you scrapped any? Yeah. I was actually thinking about this yesterday. I went back and counted. We've spiked five five episodes so far. Uh, so about the same maybe as Cortland's rate, something like one out of every 20. Uh, yeah. We spiked a bunch of guests and actually even some of them that I had amazing conversations with offline. And then as soon as they came on, they clammed up. Um, or they just kind of gave me the PR speak and they never, never opened up. Um, in general, we've basically, so, and, and the way I handled it was terribly, uh, I was a super coward at first. So the first one I was like, oh, uh, Hey, sorry, the audio, we, we used Riverside actually. I was like, oh, the audio screwed up. Sorry. Uh, there's no episode. Um, like, I, I like it. I lied. Okay. So the, fir the first two, and I said, and I, not even myself, I said, the editor told me it's unusable. <laughs> Something happened. Yeah, so so that was bad. And then for the last two, um, I basically just, I was like, hey, listen, um, that kind of sucked. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Um, like, And by the way, it sucked for these reasons. Like, if you're ever going to do this again, here's what I would recommend. Um, and, you know, for me now, this podcast is actually kind of big. I don't want to put out something that I don't think is great. Yeah. And so, and I do the thing that Jason does. We tack it on to the end. Like, the, one that's don't, the, the ones that we tack on to the end are usually where, it's interesting, but it's only about their business. So it's kind of a sales pitch for their product or their thing and everything's so great about it. And they're working on something cool. So it's not boring, but it isn't the essence of our show. You know what you have to do? It's You probably take too many pitches. Yep. You know, so if somebody great comes along, that's fine. But also if the, if the interview is boring, it's probably your fault for not stopping the person and asking a more probing question when they do that. Mm -hmm. And I'll, you'll hear me call people out. I'm like, ah, oh, that feels like a marketing answer. Like, um, what's the reality? I mean, if you could just tell right. me the reality, I prefer right. that. And <clears throat> what I did was early on, I studied all the great interviewers, Charlie Rose, Oprah, Mike Wallace, um, and, uh, and Howard Stern. And I studied their techniques for really getting authentic interviews. And that's what you're, what you're going for is authenticity and getting them off script. And so my technique is to just stop them in their tracks yeah. and say, yeah, that's interesting, but uh, that feels a little bit like a, you know, like the, the canned PR response. Like, what's the reality of this? Like, what's the hardest moment you ever had? You know, and if, yeah. but you don't want to ask those up front. So the thing is, you know, you kind of can ask people these um, warm up questions. And then I always save the harder ones, you know, on the back nine of the of the course to, to really drop the harder questions. Because now the person's been talking to you for 30, 40, 50 minutes. They're gonna respond to a more challenging question, um, you know, in a different way. And you've built up a little trust and rapport with them and they can handle it, right? Like I was just asking, I had Toby on and I just said, and I know Amazon tried to buy Shopify a couple of times. And I said, so why didn't, you know, I, 
you know, I don't think you've ever addressed this, but, you know, I know you had the opportunity to sell to Bezos and Amazon. Why didn't you? And it's just dead silence. And I was like, I guess I got to take that dead silence as you don't want to talk about it. So let me <laughs> rephrase it uh, since you don't want to talk about that directly. As Why didn't you sell to anybody? Because right. you obviously had multiple opportunities. So tell me about your thoughts of going long. Was there a time you thought about selling Shopify or not? And then he opened right up, boom, and went right into right. it. Um, and I had, Ryan, I had um, Ryan Call back on who wrote that, you know, he wrote that, uh, or he shared that flaming email where yeah, he- from his board member. I said, hey, come on the show. It's a good topic. And uh, he was like, I'll come on the show, but I don't want to talk about that. And I was like, <laughs> if it really is that controversial, you can take that approach, which is, listen, let's talk about it for a segment and then let's move on and talk about all the other stuff, which is what journalists don't let you do. Right. Journalists mm -hmm. are like, hey, can you tell me everything horrible that happened at Uber and how Travis is a horrible human? And I'm like, happy to talk about Uber, <laughs> but I obviously, he's a friend of mine, I don't think he's a horrible human. And they're like, okay, can we talk to you about GameStop and how Vlad is a horrible human? And I'm like, I'm willing to talk to you about Robin GameStop, but can we talk about some of the other things as well? And I think the reason podcasting's done so well is because people are sick and tired of journalists who are just um, link baiting and have like such an agenda, especially the young ones now, like Taylor Lorenz or whatever. I don't want to, I don't want to harass a female journalist, but you know, I just think she's not good at her job, and uh, that's not harassing. That's just an opinion. But you know, I think she people look at that kind of journalism, which is agenda-based journalism, like they come to it with a real agenda. And that's why shows with principals who are building stuff in the world who are actually the subjects of stories typically are doing so well. That's why All In's doing so well or My First Million or Indie Hackers. That's why you guys do good is because people are tired of hearing the story told by journalists. I want to hear the story told by the principals. Does it not stress you out to seek out someone like a tailor and confront them? Doesn't it just add drama? And like, are you looking for drama? Do you ever see the movie Gladiator? That's basically was my life. <laughs> Everything was a war for so long that if I am not fighting with a mace or a battle axe or a sword against something, I kind of feel like that's why the Gladiator poster's right there. <laughs> and that's why the Mandalorian is here oh, and nice. Blade Runner. Like that's that's basically my like mode of existing in the world is like fighting a good fight. <laughs> and once you realize like what you're about, what your archetype is, for me, you know, I'm a gladiator. That actually does explain your public image. I, I didn't have that archetype before. I, I think it comes from many years of martial arts and sparring and growing up in Brooklyn. Literally my blood pressure doesn't change in an argument. Like mm. Or a fight, like a literal physical confrontation. Like I've been in so many in my life. Like, you know, it doesn't really change my um, physiological state. So, you know, I'm generally like, okay, yeah, you know, I disagree, we disagree. That's fine, you know. All right. So, Jason, you're cool as a cucumber. Clearly adopted your Ooh. podcasting demeanor <laughs> from the streets. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about how big your show is. So you, you've got a top twenty podcast, Jason. Sean, how big is my first million now? Uh, we try to get, we try to crack top 50. We're usually 55, 58, something what's, like that. What's that like? Like, what do you get out of having like a, a top 50 podcast? It, it's like, you've heard that thing about the four, four kinds of luck. Are you familiar with no, that? No, tell us. Mm -mm. There's four levels of luck. So, you know, the first level of luck is blind luck. Blind luck is this, this AirPod case is luck. And here's you walking, you run right into it. That's level one. Uh, level two is you're walking around like a maniac. You're walking around all over the place and you'll happen to hit the luck. You'll happen to hit luck at some point. So it's basically take a bunch of action, kick up a bunch of dust. Eventually something good is going to happen. Eventually you'll get, you'll get luckier than somebody who wasn't taking all that action. Um, then the third level of luck is basically where it's up. You spot luck. So you're walking around, 
you look out of the corner of your eye and you see something and you know what in, in a way that other people might not have recognized that something lucky is happening. Let me walk over there. This might be Jason Angel investing in a, in a company because he understands what a great angel investment looks like. He understands right. what good early metrics look like so he can spot it. And then the fourth level, the absolute best level of luck is where luck comes to you. You don't even have to move. And so this is where now that you have a reputation for investing in Uber and, and uh, you know, Robinhood and Calm or whatever the hell else, you, you know, now founders come to you because they want to be a part of your brand halo and they think that you're going to help them become the next blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, that's what that's what having a more popular podcast has done is now I have level four luck. I have luck come to me in my, in, you know, in my DMs, I'll have whether it's athletes or investors who want to just invest with me or it's founders who say, you know, I love that story you told or, you know, that that the thing, the framework you put out about content marketing. We really need some mm -hmm. help about that. Now those opportunities come to me, whereas I'm the same guy I was a year ago. But when I wasn't putting myself out there into the world, nobody knew to come find me. Um, yeah. And so that's the that's the biggest difference, you know, at a, at a sort of general level. Oh, and congrats on the sale. I don't know if you were involved in Sam's sale of the hustle to HubSpot. Yeah, the podcast got sold as well. So, uh, you oh. know, that's. Oh, did you wet I, your I didn't, beak? I, yeah, of course. I, I didn't even realize. <laughs> your beak wet? I didn't even realize that. We feel that, that, we feel that would, beak. Oh, it is a little wet. <laughs> yeah, it's a little damp. Oh, it's a couple it's a little, drops, a little, a little dew on that beak. <laughs> Sean, what's it like to have a podcast that's like an extension of you and like your soul and your personality, and then suddenly a corporation buys it? Yeah, they own the RSS feed. You know, from my perspective, I was like, oh, you want to buy this? Fantastic. Like, great. I love money. Um, but, uh, you know, at the same time, I'm like, it's a podcast. People will follow the personality wherever they go. So, like, you can't buy me. You know, you can get me to you can get me to keep doing it. That's great. But, like, I didn't feel like I was actually giving anything really up. And so sort of a no-lose no deal from my perspective. Right. If you leave, like 80% of the audience comes with you. You know, the mode is not the podcast. The mode is you. Of course, some people, you know, it's always hard to get people to hit the subscribe again. And there's, there's definitely some churn. But, uh, you know, for the right price, it made total sense. Makes sense. All right. Should we wrap up with anything? No, I'm good. Thanks, guys, for coming on the show. This was dope. Sean, I enjoyed our time Jason. together. Likewise. Me as well. Okay. You can find our guest social accounts by taking a peek at the show notes for this episode. Today, we had Jason Kalakanis. He's just at Jason on Twitter. And we had Sean Purry. That's S-H-A-A-N-P-U-R-I. And he's Sean VP on Twitter.